Welcome to round three of the Draft Sharks Invitational. It is Wednesday, August 5th. For anyone listening after the fact, I am your podcast host, Matt Schaub. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And back with us is my co-host for the new Draft Sharks High Stake Podcast. That is Adam Krautwurst. Tonight, guys, it's my turn to draft against 11 other fantasy football titans. Adam, any tips for me after you laced up your gloves last night? Yeah, last night was way harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it's drafting and, and chatting with, with you guys. So, uh, plus it's kind of a newer site to me. So I would just suggest having guys queued up in your queue that you, that you really like, cause the draft happens pretty quick and I was picking you know, at the turn. So, uh, you're in the middle, so it comes a little quicker. So just, just have your guys ready. Yeah. Matt, Matt basically talks for a living though. So it, this should that, be that easier true. for him. And I have three kids, so I'm never doing one thing at a time. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. time. Jared, what's my over under for a league finish? You think four, four and a half? Uh, that's, that's optimistic. I'm going to give you five and a half. <laughs> I know you guys are running through all of the high stakes people I'm playing with. I don't even realize how big the winners are that you stuck in my league. Thanks very much. Yeah. Let's, let's run through the, uh, 12 all random. Man. All random. Let's run through the 12 folks here before the draft gets kicked off. So in the one hole is Mike Pereka. Um, he won last year's FFPC main event. So what is that? Uh, half a million bucks. Half a mil, 500K, baby. He's doing all right. In the two hole is Jason Moore from Fantasy Footballers, one of, one of if not the biggest fantasy podcast out there. Um, Jason is at JasonFFL on Twitter. In the three hole, Greg Cantor, a.k.a. Crack Rock. Um, he was third place in last year's main event, so two of the top three finishers Matt will be trying to beat out here. Picking fourth, Hayden Winks, the uh, young gun from Roto World. He's at Hayden Winks on Twitter. And the five hole is the one and only Matt Schaff. Picking sixth is Bob Harris, one of the OGs of the fantasy industry uh, from Football Diehards. He is at Football Diehard on Twitter. In the seven hole, Justin Boone from The Score. Justin always crushes it in those fantasy pros, rankings, accuracy, and competitions. He definitely knows what he's doing. Jules McLean in the eight spot. Longtime high stakes fantasy player. Adam, got more on Jules McLean? Yeah, so she's been uh, playing for, for a while, uh, over 15 years. Uh, she's actually in the NFFC, National Fantasy Football Championship Hall of Fame, uh, with over $250,000 in winnings. So she specializes in breakout and sleeper players. So uh, I think she'll be she'll be ready to go. And then right behind Jules is Chad Schrader. I think we could spend all night running through Chad's high-stakes resume. Yeah, we don't have to. I mean, everyone knows who Chad is pretty much, Chad Schrader, Schroeder. And uh, yeah, he's can, widely considered the best cash player, best fantasy player ever. And uh, so, yeah, people know. All, he's been winning all the way back to the you know the World Championship of Fantasy Football days. So I'm sure he'll be he'll be ready to go. Behind Chad, picking tenth is Mike Beers, who is a best ball specialist. So he's a he's at home in this draft here. Um, you can find Mike stuff at Rotoviz. He is at Beers Water on Twitter. Uh, picking eleventh, Dwayne McFarland, uh, formerly of Draft Sharks. Actually, he was a Draft Sharks writer before even me and Matt's time there. Um, now Dwayne works for both Pro Football Focus and Establish the Run. Also the co-host of the FF Hustle podcast. Um, you know. Don't leave our stream here, but I know Dwayne and his uh, partner, Brian Drake, are also doing a live stream of, of Dwayne's draft tonight. Um, Dwayne is at Dwayne McFarland on Twitter. And finally, picking 12th is Sean Corner, um, another guy um, who fares very well in those uh, fantasy pros rankings competitions. Um, you can find Sean on the Action Network, and he's on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. And we're moving through round one here. Thanks again for putting all those people up against me in my league. I'm sure it was totally <laughs> random and not vengeful at all. We're we're almost through round one. I, I've had the choice at pick five, and I don't mean to jump ahead before you guys talk about the earlier stuff. I had to pick the, the choice that I was dreading, whether to go running back, whether to go quarterback. I'll, I'll let you guys start running through the picks before I talk further about my thinking on the selection. Yeah, I think no major surprises in front of you. It's the four running backs we expected to go. The minor surprise is Jason Moore um, taking Zeke Elliott over Saquon Barkley. Saquon ended up going three to Greg Cantor. Hayden Winks took Kamara at four. So then, yeah, Matt, that left you with a decision to take Dalvin Cook, one of the quarterbacks. I don't know, was, was Travis Kelsey on your radar at all there? 
I mean, I was really deciding between running back and quarterback and really Patrick Mahomes versus uh, or over Lamar Jackson for me. I think that the the fact that each of the first two drafts started out with a team stacking Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill kind of pushed me even a little further toward the running back, because if I did go Mahomes and got Hill, I mean, that's not even a differentiator when we're already looking at two out of five leagues having that stack. So I figured I think fewer teams than I would have guessed so far started with three early running backs like first three rounds or first four rounds so you know maybe going running back there is a little bit more of a differentiator than I would have thought it would be yeah I like I I like to pick um and it's interesting to me you know all the ADP I looked at going into this stuff had you know Mahomes and Lamar Jackson going both in the top four neither of them have gone in the top four uh in the first through the first three drafts um and I think what's interesting also is Zeke Elliott going number two like you said to Jason Moore I had the two pick last night I considered it for a second taking Zeke uh but for me it was only because he uh, was already out kind of for the coronavirus so you're hoping that maybe he won't get it again or he won't have to sit two weeks for it but i'm wondering if that's what factored into to to jason moore making that decision but um that'll be interesting yeah definitely definitely an interesting angle there i think you can definitely argue that that zeke elliott is safer than saquon barkley um the the durability zeke has shown throughout his nfl career the fact that he plays in you know a a much better cowboys offense and a much better o-line so if you're going for safety, I have no issue with Zeke at two. I think what we're not talking about here is that Adam and Jason might just both be fans of abs, and that's what um, pushed Zeke <laughs> over the top. Abs over quads. I bet Saquon's got some pretty nice abs, too. That's right. I don't know, but if he, if he had them, I think he would flaunt them. <laughs> in the quad. I would. Yeah, I would. Um, so, but in, in a more seriousness, not all seriousness, because it's a fantasy football show to me, Ezekiel Elliott versus Saquon Barkley at the top of the draft is really Zeke being the upside versus Saquon being the safer when we're talking about PPR, I think, because I think, uh, Barkley is the better bet for receptions and consistent receptions. And I think Zeke is the better bet for touchdown ceiling in that Dallas offense that we talked about a lot last night. Yeah, he could definitely score more touchdowns. And the Giants, you know, the Giants' defense isn't very good. They'll be playing from behind enough where um, where Saquon can certainly get those catches. Whereas, yeah, Zeke's Zeke's got the touchdown upside for sure. So behind uh, Matt with Dalvin Cook at five, there we had Lamar Jackson go at six, and uh, you know we, we've seen the quarterbacks coming off the board in this range. You know, the five through eight range. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was the first quarterback off the board in the first two drafts, the past two nights. Lamar goes first here. Justin Boone takes Travis Kelsey, which is about where he's gone in the first two drafts in the middle of the first round. Mahomes comes off the board at eight. Uh, Michael Thomas at nine to Chad Schrader. Mike Beers takes George Kittle at 10th overall. That's the earliest George Kittle's gone. I think he's absolutely fine there. I think the gap between Kittle and Kelsey isn't that big. And then Dwayne McFarlane at 11 gives us the second straight night of Clyde Edwards-Alaire being the RB6. Yeah. Off he went 10th overall to Mike Tagliere last night at RB6. Yeah, that's a little rich for my blood, but he's got the upside and Reed creates RB1s, uh, yep. top, top top 10 running backs. So yeah, I think I think I may take Miles Sanders there, but who knows? It really depends on what you thought of a lot average coming out of college. If you believe in his talent, he's good to go there. If you're mm-hmm. not a huge believer, then you're probably going to pass on him. And I'll say real quick, because I don't think we said it up top, this is a super flex league. So there are two flex spots. One of them can be a quarterback each week in this best ball format. It's also tight end premium like FFPC, one and a half points per reception for tight ends, one point per reception for everybody else. So Kittle for me belongs in round one. I'm surprised that his ADP is not at the turn and more so toward the middle of round two. I think he belongs right where he went tonight. I agree. And, you know, that, that he does, I think, regularly go round one in FFPC drafts. I think the super flex here, you know, pushes Lamar and Mahomes up ahead of Kittle. But I, I agree. I still think he belongs, you know, right in the back half of round, round one there. Um, to, to close out round one, another minor surprise, I think Sean Corner takes Austin Eckler at 12th overall as the RB7. That's, you know, three or four running back spots before he goes usually. Uh, Sean came back and paired Eckler with Tyreek Hill. So we, we will not have a Mahomes Tyree Kill stack tonight. Um, Dwayne McFarland opens his draft with two straight running backs, following Clyde Edwards Alaire with Derrick Henry. Mike Beers, who took George Kittle a 10th overall, follows him up with Devontae Adams. And then Chad Schrader gets Miles Sanders in the second round as RB9. That's later than we've seen Sanders go the past couple nights. I think that's the most surprising pick so far. Yeah. The fact that he lasted that long. Yeah, I think Eckler, yeah, Eckler pushed him down there. I think Eckler. Uh, made that surprising and Eckler surprising as well. What do you guys think of, I, I'm huge on Kittle. I have him in a bunch of my leagues so far. Are you guys afraid of Jordan Reed at all or no? 
<laughs> yeah. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> they only signed Jordan Reed so that they could have a cadaver around in case uh, George Kittle needs a replacement piece this year. Yeah. I, I was just wondering. I, I mean, I'm not afraid of him. I just didn't know what the rest of the world thought. I mean, I think there's, I think there's a chance that George Kittle just outscores Travis Kelsey and is the top tight end this year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, d- definitely possible. Um, you know, it's just to me, it's Kelsey. If I'm breaking ties, just because he has Mahomes, and it's just a, it's a pass heavier offense. You know, Kittle is such a good blocker, and the Niners run so much. He, he just doesn't run as many pass routes as, as Travis Kelsey does. But with you know Debo Samuel looking unlikely for the start of the season, I mean George Kittle should absolutely dominate targets in San Francisco for the first month or two of the season, and then the rest of the season as well. Yes, true. <laughs> Chad Schroeder took Sanders to pair with Michael Thomas. Um, Jules McClain followed Patrick Mahomes with Joe Mixon, who I think is another good value there as running back 10 in the middle, middle of the second. Um, Justin Boone takes Kenyon Drake to pair with his Travis Kelsey. Bob Harris takes Josh Jacobs after opening with Lamar Jackson. And then Matt, after opening with Dalvin Cook, gets his guy, Dak Prescott, as quarterback three in the late second round. Yeah, I'm happy to see him go to that point. He went at the turn in the first draft where um, Evan Silva doubled up on quarterback there, but then went in this range. So I wasn't shocked to see him move down the board. I was eyeing Miles Sanders as he kept falling. I didn't think he would make it to me, but he probably would have been the pick if he did. But I'm I'm not sad that Miles Sanders went so that I can take Dak Prescott in the Superflex format there, you know, just into the second half of round two. Yeah, I don't mind that pick at all. Uh, he went one pick in front of me, so he went at uh, the 10 to 210 last night, yeah. uh, and I had him ready to go at 211. So, uh, yeah, I definitely like Prescott. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, the roster construction after, after taking a QB early here. You don't have to answer this, Matt, but how, how aggressive will you be in, in trying to stack Dak Prescott? With stack. I refuse to answer that. What I would have loved to do <laughs> – um, would have been to get have Zeke slip to me, which I didn't think would happen. Yeah. Um, but what I was actually really kind of hoping for was for Alvin Kamara to slip to five, which I figured was a possibility. Again, not shocked that he didn't make it, but mm-hmm. I, I figure he kind of floats around that top five. I would have loved to get him there and then be able to stack him with Drew Brees later. Um, so beyond that, as for what my plans are for future Cowboys, people are going to have to wait and see. <laughs> nice teaser. Or you can like go back it. to the other podcast where I talked about guys <laughs> that might like among Cowboys. I know exactly one of the guys who you're targeting is. <laughs> At the, what would it be, 2-9, Hayden Winks takes Julio Jones after opening with Alvin Kamara. Greg Cantor takes DeAndre Hopkins after opening with Saquon Barkley. Jason Moore becomes the second team to open running back, running back, pairing Aaron Jones with Zeke Elliott. And then... Um, Mike Pereca at the turn takes Nick Chubb. That's uh, feels late for Nick Chubb at two twelve, running back fourteen. So Mike Pereca opens with Christian McCaffrey and Nick Chubb. Yeah, I like that. It's interesting. Chubb again. He's one of those guys. He's kind of polarizing. With what's Kareem Hunt going to do? Kareem Hunt keeps creeping up and up and up, mm-hmm. and Chubb kind of stays right in the you know middle to to late second round there. I love I love that that pairing there, McCaffrey and Chubb. Yeah. I think they're going to. You know the O line's better, the offense is better. They're they're going to run Chubb a ton, uh, so that could be a that could be a formidable squad. And Chubb actually went a bit later. He went at three hundred two in the first draft um, as RB twelve in that one, and in the second draft last night, Chubb went at the two hundred two as the RB ten. So he's been sort of all over the board these first three drafts. Yep. Uh, to open the third round, interesting here, a quarterback Kyler Murray. So Pereka opens McCaffrey, Chubb, Kyler Murray. Uh, Jason Moore adds Zach Ertz to his Zeke and Aaron Jones start. Uh, Greg Cantor takes Deshaun Watson as quarterback five. Hayden Winks goes Mark Andrews. Uh, it's tight on four to pair with Kamara and Julio Jones. And then Matt takes, I think, the last of like the you know top, what would be made, two tiers of quarterbacks with Russell Wilson uh, to pair with Dak Prescott. And I can't say that it was a plan going in, and I was actually kind of surprised. I'm using my MVP board. And I think we mentioned on a previous draft that when when I play a super flex league, I set it up as a two quarterback league because I want to have two starting quarterbacks every week throughout the season. So when I got to this pick, Russell Wilson was the top guy on my board. I was like, I, I'm surprised to see that, but it makes sense. And the I think the running backs went off maybe a little bit faster than they might have based on the previous two drafts. So you got to do something different when you're trying to beat a field of 60 and especially 60 sharp players. So we'll, we'll see if this something different does it for me. I think Matt just did that. So he had a different team he could stack instead of the Cowboys. <laughs> so he wanted, to throw, he wanted to throw everybody off. It's not a bad idea. I'm, I'm looking through the draft boards now too. And Matt, you and Evan Silver are the only 
two drafters so far that have taken two quarterbacks in your first three picks. Great minds. Great minds. Something about great minds. So behind Russell Wilson to Matt, Bob Harris goes Todd Gurley as running back 15. So Harris now has Lamar Jackson to go with Jacobs and Gurley. Uh, Chris Carson off the board to Justin Boone, a little early for Carson at running back 16, but Boone mm-hmm. now had Travis Kelsey, Kenyon Drake, Chris Carson. I like that start. Um, Jules McClain goes with Chris Godwin as wide receiver six, and Chad Schrader takes James Conner as running back 17. So Schrader now sitting on Michael Thomas, Miles Sanders, and James Conner. Yeah, I like that. I like that pairing there. Um, Conner, again, I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to come around to Conner. When, if I go, uh, if I want to go three running backs to start, or if I want to go with a with a receiver, a tight end early, I'm more than happy to have Connor as my number two RB in the third round. There, you just gotta be prepared to get you know 12 games out of him uh, or handcuff him. You know, that's my only concern with with Connor. So we talked. So we talked about in last night's draft, there was no one that opened with three straight. Run- oh no, sorry, Connor Allen did. So there was one team mm-hmm. in the first draft that went three straight running backs. Two teams on night one: Graham Barfield and Ian Harditz did it. Tonight, there are zero teams that open with three straight running backs. Dwayne McFarlane was the last candidate to do that. He went with DJ Moore to pair with his Clyde Edwards and Derrick Henry. Yeah, and to take that a little bit further, last night we saw two teams that had three running backs through their first four picks. Just two teams out of 12 in a best ball format. Night before, we had four teams that had three running backs among their first four picks. So, you know, we expect the quarterbacks and the, the tight end premium to push running backs down the board a bit, but I feel like maybe they're sliding a little bit more than I would have anticipated. I think it speaks to the format, obviously, with the super flex quarterbacks going to get pushed up, the tight end premium tight ends get pushed up. And then even at wide receiver, you know, you're required to start three wide receivers in this league versus just two running backs. So that's going to push them up a bit more than you'll see in, in say the FFPC where you only need to start two wideouts. Yeah. Plus I think it's kind of tempting too, for you know, people like me who play in just so many leagues and none of them, like I don't pay a ton of super flex. So the opportunity to actually like, you know, I love Russell Wilson. I love yeah. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, but I'm never going to draft them in a standard draft. So it gives you the opportunity to take them to root for them. They're obviously all, all very good. It's just, it usually doesn't fit with, uh, with drafting quarterback late. Good news for you, Adam. Uh, Sean Corner, who is super smart, just took Josh Allen at the 401 quarterback seven off the board. So Sean's obviously a fan of Josh Allen. I think I'd count that as good news. That's my guy. Sean was obviously listening to me last night, so that's clearly how that worked. I, I think it's one of the cool things about the format. Not only does it add value to quarterbacks who you know normally are kind of second citizens in fantasy, but it really opens up the whole strategy cupboard. I mean, you can try lots of different things through these rounds and there's less reliable ADP available too. So there's not so much, I know this guy's going to be available here. There's more like, I got to figure out what I want to do and do it and not, not think that I know what's coming to me next round. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head with the ADP. Cause I, uh, you know, fantasy mojo has got all the FFPC ADP and it's very helpful. It's very spot on, except, except for this super flex ADP was way off with the, with the quarterbacks. And I hate to say it, but you know, the future of fantasy might be super flex. When, when you look at it, I mean, quarterback's the most important position in all of sports. So why would you have a, you know, it, it's kind of silly to play it where you're taking them, as second class citizens, you know, it almost feels like we should have a super flex or a two QB league where, yep. you know, they're more valuable. They should be, it's, you know, they're the most important player. So uh, it's super fun. It's you're able to create a roster the way you want to. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think, you know, the standard one quarterback league has just sort of gotten boring where everyone's waiting on quarterbacks and it's just like, you know, right. you're going to be the last one to take their starter. So I, I agree. I'm, I'm digging the super flex. I honestly hadn't done a ton until this year we, we were doing this. Uh, we did the draft sharks dynasty league, which is a super flex. So I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it so far. And Adam, if you have a fantasy crystal ball in front of you, you don't hate it, man. Just enjoy the special view that you get that the rest of us don't <laughs> in the future. Right, of course. I treat it like Biff and make money. <laughs> I think we should. I think we should hire an intern to cobble together the ADP from these five drafts. That'd be interesting to see. That's a great idea. If anyone's I'm listening, not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do it, but it would be cool if someone would. We had Mike Beers make a jerky move, by the way, following that Josh Allen pick at the turn, uh, keeping Amari Cooper from making it to the middle of round four. Yeah, and Mike now, um, you know, I guess the start of a zero running back draft with George Kittle, Devontae Adams, Kenny Galladay, and Mark, man, Kenny Galladay again, wide receiver seven. What am I missing with Kenny Galladay? What are oh. you missing? I've only heard 19 podcasts of you <laughs> of you hating on Kenny Galladay. The only thing, so I, I agree with you on, on the Kenny Galladay thing. The only thing is, is 
I mean, there's a possibility he just gets he just gets better too. That he just turns into a super stud receiver. Yeah. Um, you know, and he just that's 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 my my only thing. I I haven't taken a lot of him, but a lot of guys love him, uh, obviously. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't question his talent right now. I mean, I, I think he's a top, you know, fifteen wide receiver in the NFL. But I mean, you know, fantasy is about volume, and I I don't see him get. And not not that he's not going to see decent volume. I just don't see him getting, you know, top ten wide receiver level volume this year. I mean, Marvin Jones. You know, if Marvin Jones goes down again and Stafford stays healthy, I mean, there's there's some. Sure, but it's hard to draft right. It's hard to draft based on that. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I could say you know if Cooper Cup goes down, sure. Robert Woods is going to see 150 targets, and he's a yep. top guy. Yeah, uh, my problem with Kenny Galladay is sheer volume and just the history on Matthew Stafford. He has not played. He has not produced to the level that he was early last year before he got hurt. So expecting things to go this year like they did early last year is a mistake. And even then, the volume wasn't great for Kenny Galladay. So, I mean, it's not good to to draft somebody saying, I think he's going to be awesome this year. Uh, there's got to be, you know, some kind of concrete to put it on. I, it, that, you know, sometimes it works out. Sometimes you just take it and say, I just have a feeling about this guy and it works out. But usually, and I, the way I draft, I guess, is I got to have something besides dreams to build it on. I think that's a good way to draft. Gets us some more picks here. Um, so behind Mike Beer's, uh, his Amari Cooper pick at 4.03. Chad Schrader took Melvin Gordon. That's Chad's third running back, along with James Conner and Miles Sanders. He opened with Michael Thomas. Uh, Jules McClain goes with Jonathan Taylor. Justin Boone takes his first wide receiver, Adam Thielen, at wide receiver 11. That's a few spots ahead of ADP, but I'm definitely on board with Thielen at wide receiver 11. Bob Harris takes Juju Smith-Schuster, his number one wideout. And then Matt takes his first wide receiver, Mike Evans, at wide receiver 13. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Amari Cooper had been there, I probably would have leaned that way for the stack, but I am not at all disappointed to see Mike Evans make it to 408. I think that any concerns about him working with Tom Brady are way overblown. Tom Brady's probably doesn't have as strong an arm as Jameis Winston at this point. He's probably not as ready on every single play to chuck it downfield as Jameis Winston, which might be a good thing. But as I put in my player profile for um, Mike Evans, Tom Brady has been an efficient deep ball passer in four of the shared five seasons with Jameis Winston. He's been more accurate as a downfield passer. So maybe it goes less frequently, but I think the passes that go to Mike Evans deep will be good. And I don't think that they're going to only throw to Mike Evans deep. I think he could also catch some things in the shorter range. He has yet to fall short of a thousand yards in an NFL season. I just don't get the the hate on the, on Tom Brady and the, and even like Mike Evans has fallen. Like the guys, mm-hmm a super stud, you know, he's like six foot 12. Okay. In the, in, in the red zone, can can he get his hands open in the red zone? Cause if he can, Tom Brady's going to find him 12 to 15 times. I just, Tom Brady was his number one receiver last year was a 33 year old five foot 10 division three quarterback. Like, <laughs> like, what are we, what are we doing here? Oh, he wasn't efficient. He was throwing to guys. I wouldn't start on my flag football team. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, man. His, the talent is there around him. He's got every weapon in the book. Mike Evans is going to have, be in the red zone all game, every game. And I think it's, I think it's a great pick, man. I, I'm just, I can't get over it. Wide receiver 13. It's just, well, th- it's crazy. Thank you. But to be fair, the Patriots did trade midseason for the Falcons third string quarterback. So that helped. Their <laughs> yeah, that was true. And when, and listen, when Tom Brady had Antonio Brown last year for six seconds, <laughs> Antonio Brown had a great game. I mean, it was, it was the Dolphins, I think, but it's like, give the guy talent. He's never had talent and not, you know, done well with it or had it exceeded, exceeded expectations. I just, and Tom Brady's a, he's a, he's a killer too. Like he just wants to beat everybody by 50. He's got a chip on his shoulder. You know, I, I know that wasn't a Tom Brady pick, but it kind of goes hand in hand. Like I just don't, I don't get the hate for Evans and, and, and Brady. Yeah, definitely with you guys there. Um, you know, Brady doesn't have to be hall of fame level Tom Brady. If he can just be like an average NFL starter this year, which I, I think he can, um, he's going to put put up big numbers. Uh, Evans is going to put up big numbers. You just look at Mike Evans, what he's done over his first, what is it, five or six NFL seasons? Like, yeah. he, he's on a Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah. yeah, he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. So you don't fade those guys. I agree, and I, I've I've seen him slipping into round four more often. Every time I see it, I, I shake my head. So I, I'm happy to see it in this round, in this draft, and I'm happy that the quarterbacks push him further down the board. And uh, the guy, the drafters helped me out with my latest pick, by the way. Yes, you were able to, to land Tyler Lockett to stack with your Russ Wilson. Yes, Lockett, I thought about 
I thought briefly about Lockett last round, but it really wasn't a strong consideration Lockett versus Mike Evans because I just don't think that they're that. I don't stacking aside. I don't think that they're close enough in terms of upside. So I was happy to see Lockett make it to me, and it was an easier decision because I was wondering if I was going to have to take Le'Veon Bell in the middle of round five, but fortunately somebody took him a couple spots ahead. <laughs> and then Jared, I was wondering if I could bring myself to pass on Robert Woods in round five. And fortunately Hayden made that a non-decision for me to pick before. I, I was wondering about that. Um, yeah. Would you have been able to take Lockett over Robert Woods? And Robert we'll Woods never know. <laughs> yeah. Robert Woods was wide receiver 18 there. I'm still pissed. I didn't get him in my draft. He went early in my draft. He was, I guess he was wide receiver 16. I missed him by a spot, but I, I, I think Wood should be going five or six spots higher among wide receivers at least. Yeah. He went wide receiver 19 and nine in the middle of the fifth, but I couldn't pass on my boy, Jonathan Taylor as the RB 21 in mine. So I, get um, it. I, I think Jules McLean took him here. Yeah. Or the RB 20. Again, yeah. I just, another one that I don't understand, but we'll see. I'm okay, I'm okay with not getting Robert Woods here basically because I think it's the first time I haven't taken him. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we got some more quarterbacks coming off the board here. Greg Cantor at the 410 took Matt Ryan as his second quarterback behind Deshaun Watson. Uh, Bob Harris then took Carson Wentz at the 506. So Harris now has two quarterbacks with Lamar Jackson and Carson Wentz. And then Jules McClain took the aforementioned Tom Brady. Um, so Jules now has two quarterbacks with Mahomes and Brady. So interesting here, we have... Four teams with two quarterbacks, um, and prior to these last couple picks, we had uh, a bunch of teams with, with with zero still. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. She's got three of the first five picks that I had last night, so I'm glad to see she likes some of the same guys I do. You know, you get the, the two couple teams have two quarterbacks, couple teams have three running backs. It's really it's really interesting to see how people yeah. want to build their teams. You know, uh, Mike Beers has that zero RB squad working. It does. Um, and like I said yesterday, if you're going to build a zero RB squad, this is the kind of, that's the format to do it, you know? Yeah. So uh, we'll be, it'll be interesting to see how we, how his team turns out. If he can get those, uh, you know, the handcuff running backs and the, you know, zero RB running backs he's looking for later. And I guess if you are going to take Galladay up near his ADP, then go ahead and secure Matthew Stafford for the stack there. Yeah. So I was gonna say, we're seeing, we're seeing more stacks tonight. Beers with Stafford Galladay, Chad with Drew Brees to Michael Thomas Jules McLean with Tom Brady to Chris Godwin, and then Matt with his uh, Russ to Lockett combo. Oh, I love that one. I smile every time I see that it's on my roster. It is, it is very pretty to watch. It's going to be fun to watch those two and know that they're helping this team all season. So it's fun to watch them anyway. It's going to be even more fun to watch them now. Is this going to be the year that they finally unleash Russell Wilson? Like, no. there, there's going to be a year where he's just going to, well, maybe there's not. There, you know, but. <laughs> If they unleash him with DK Metcalf and Tyler, like he could yep. just be sensational. See, what I'm wondering is if the defense will finally fall off to the point where sure. they, don't, they don't have a choice anymore. Because I obviously, if they were going to choose to unleash him, they would have done so by now. They're not going to choose to. I, I hope that they lose more games so yeah. that he has to throw the ball more. They did kind of unleash him in 2017. He had over 550 pass attempts that year. I believe he led all quarterbacks in fantasy points that season. So that's yeah. kind of Didn't they get rid of the offensive coordinator after that? <laughs> they, they did, yeah, and, and, and like 550 pass attempts. That's that's not even a lot, but for us, right. it's a career high. So, I know, it's, by it's, the way, just... uh, Hayden said that he had uh, Matt Ryan sniped from him. Was looking for him earlier in the draft. Oh, oh so there, he there was... we go. Okay, well, he ended up taking Calvin Ridley. Um, so I wonder if he was trying to go for a Falcon stack. Actually, I, I listened to um, the Rotor World podcast last week. I think it was, and they were talking about their favorite stacks. And I think it was Hayden actually who brought up the Falcons as one of his favorite teams to stack up this year. To me, it's like. You know, you can pick favorite, of course, like the Falcons. You want those guys, but it's it's it's, it's an expensive stack. Like you know, you got to spend high picks on 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 those guys. My, my favorite stacks are the ones you can get. You know, they're not maybe not as good, but you can get them super late in in these best balls. You know, yeah. so yeah, I mean, the Cowboys obviously a nice stack. It's expensive. <laughs> the bucket, the Bucks are a nice stack. It's expensive, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it'd be interesting to pull that Falcon stack off. Well, to me, the attractive thing about Atlanta, I agree with you on the price. It's a little bit expensive if you do want to go after it. But the thing that I think makes it attractive is there are multiple options. You know, you don't have to get Julio to go with Matt Ryan. It could be Calvin Ridley, could be Hayden Hurst, maybe even Todd Gurley, if you really think they're going to score a bunch of points or that Todd Gurley is going to at least approximate the receiving role of Devontae Freeman last year. So I, I think that makes it a little bit more attractive to, to pursue that one. So man, now that DK Metcalf's gone, I was gonna wait to ask, were you hoping for that to triple up or no? No, that would have been, I think, too much for me. Overkill. Low yeah. volume pass offense and early in the draft. You know, we're talking about price. 
yeah. I, I don't want to, especially in a lineup setting league, I wouldn't do that. But even here, I, I don't think that they're going to throw more than 530 passes this year. So it'd be more like a week to week, whoever has the big week thing between them, rather than the whole crew giving me huge games, I think. So we're seeing, we're seeing both quarterbacks and especially tight ends come off the board earlier tonight. Uh, then, then we have these in the first two drafts. Um, so behind Matt Stafford to Mike in the late fifth round, we had, we had Cam Newton, Daniel Jones, and Aaron Rodgers come off the board in consecutive picks um, at 6'2", 6'3", and 6'4". And then at tight end, we had Darren Waller go to Dwayne McFarland at 5'11", Tyler Higby to Sean Corner at the 5'12". Hayden Hurst went to Jules McClain in the uh, mid-sixth round, and then Bob Harris took Evan Ingram a couple picks later. So that's eight tight ends off the board through six and a half rounds. Just comparing that tight end didn't come off the board until the late sixth in the first draft. And last night it was the same thing. Fifth tight end came off the board in the late sixth. So that, that's uh, quite a bit earlier. We're seeing these tight ends come off the board guys like Hayden Hurst and uh, Tyler Higby. Yeah. Higby. I got Higby at the end of the eighth last night. And again, just to go back, that's why I love these. I love, I love, love this format, man. Everyone can kind of take who they want and there's really no, no ADP. You and you and Sean corner are in lockstep between the Josh Allen and Tyler Higby picks there. I love it. <laughs> Mike Beers continues to refuse to take a running back. Um, He's open now with George Kittle and three straight wideouts, Devontae Adams, Kenny Galladay, and Amari Cooper. And then he doubled up at quarterback with Matt Stafford and Daniel Jones. Yeah, I'm really uh, interested to see it. I really thought that um, Overzet would have done that last night. Uh, he took Delvin Cook at four, and then he took like you know 11 straight non-running backs. Mm-hmm. So it was modified zero RB, but I really wanted to see someone go legit zero RB, and it looks like we're getting it tonight. Yeah, I think, I think six rounds without a running back is, is officially a zero running back draft. I agree. Yeah, I'm glad that we did get uh, that kind of construction. And I think the fact that it's the only one through three drafts so far is what makes it viable. You can argue that it's dead or doesn't work or whatever, but the fact that nobody else really did it to the same degree is why it makes sense. So, Matt, is this the first time you've drafted Raheem Mostert this year? No, not the first time. And he's, I mean, he's in a range where none of the running backs is like, ooh, I can't believe this guy made it to me. So Raheem Mostert is not difficult for me to like from an upside standpoint when I'm getting, you know, best ball performance from him. Yep. Makes sense. Um, behind your Raheem Mostert pick, Cortland Sutton at, at wide receiver 23. I think that's a huge value. And looking at the team Hayden Winks has put together, I like his team quite a bit. He took Alvin Kamara in the first, Julio Jones in the second, got his elite tight end and Mark Andrews in the third, then has gone three straight receivers with Calvin Ridley, Robert Woods, and Cortland Sutton, three guys I like especially at the prices he got Woods and Sutton at. Yeah, those guys are I think Woods obviously, you know, DS loves him and I think I think you guys are spot on with him. Ridley's got, you know, high upside there. Uh Sutton, you know, Sutton's one that I think he certainly belongs where he went here, but I wonder about, you know, Locke and I wonder about Judy and and I know a fan I know um you know, I think Noah Fant's gonna have a year. It's just who's, you know, is there enough to go around for everybody? Yeah, I did think hard. I did think hard about um, Cam Akers, by the way. At my turn, we we're talking about the Rams just now, yep. uh, and very nearly took him. The, the uncertainty about that backfield, and I think what ultimately swayed me toward Mostert is believing in the 49ers running game over the Rams heading into the season. Yeah, I think when you're talking about, you know, your second running back behind Dalvin Cook, um, you want someone with a safer workload. And that's not to say Raheem Mostert's workload is super safe, but I do think it's, it's safer than Cam Akers, at least at this point in the summer. Yeah, I think I think Akers is a really good player. I think he's, you know, just looking at his college film, he catches it. His, his O-line was terrible. I wish Akers was in a better situation. But, yeah, I think Mostert uh, is probably the best running back in San Francisco. And Coleman, you know, Coleman gets hurt all the time. So I think while Coleman's there, Mostert's, you know, his ceiling and his floor are, are affected. But I think it, when Coleman's injured, I think Mostert will be a stud. So behind the Mostert and Sutton picks, we had uh, Ben Roethlisberger go at the 6'10". That's uh, Greg Cantor's third running or third quarterback. He's the first team to take three quarterbacks. He is Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, and Ben Roethlisberger. Jason Moore at the 6-11 took Jared Goff as his quarterback one. Goff, the 17th quarterback off the board. And the 18th quarterback just went off the board, Joe Burrow, to Mike Pereka. Um, that's Mike's second quarterback behind Kyler Murray. Yeah, we only have two no QB holdouts left at this point. Uh, Hayden Winks just ahead of me in this round. And then Justin Boone is the other one, a couple of picks behind me. Curious to see what, how much longer those guys wait. Got to think it's coming. Yeah, so I, I'm looking at uh, the draft boards from the past two nights. Connor Allen last night 
is the latest we've seen a team wait to take their first. He took his QB one at the seven twelve. So I think actually Mark Garcia in, in draft one waited until round eight to take his first, unless I missed an early one on his team. And you're good. Mark Garcia at the eight oh three is the latest. Well, it's easier. To, well, it's, it's it's easier, but it's scarier kind of to be at the end of the round there because if you get a couple of the fall you can just grab two of them and you're good to go it's harder when you're in the middle like hayden's at the four spot it's like like he passed on one and then four of them just went in a row so you know he gets stuck with gardner Minshew as his number one which is horrifying <laughs> is he stuck with or graced with yeah i don't know we'll see i think this is where it's uh, speaking of gardner Minshew. hayden hayden thinks takes uh gardner Minshew as quarterback 20s is first i was gonna say though i think this is where it's important to have tiers where, you know, if you're Hayden and you're sitting on the clock, is there one quarterback left in the tier or is it, you know, four or five guys and you're just like, I'm going to wait and just take whoever gets back to me because I kind of view them all the same. Yeah, that's 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 a great way to do it, especially for for super flex because, yeah, they could, they, they could go flying off the board quick in these. And Minshew pick is interesting, though. I mean, quarterback 20 is four or five spots higher in ADP than he usually goes. I'm trying to see who he went ahead of guys like uh, Ryan Tannehill. He went ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo is still available. So it uh, looks like Hayden is pretty high on Gardner Minshew. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't think he's – people are talking about, oh, is he going to be the quarterback all year? Listen, good or bad, they're trying to get a better quarterback next year in the draft. Yeah. So if they're doing poorly, he's going to stay in there, you know, so – and they're going to be losing quite a bit. So he could he could have some some games. I couldn't yeah. even tell you who their backup quarterback is. So. Yeah, either. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 Minshew. I think the Jags are like, you know, we, we're either going to have stumbled into a franchise quarterback here or if Minshew's not the answer, they're you know probably going to take one of those top guys in next year's draft. Yeah, at one point at least, I don't know if it still is, it was Joshua Dobbs. I think they might have signed – I think they signed somebody since then, but it's not anybody significant. Obviously, I can't even remember the name if it was somebody. Right. So I, I think that anybody who's worried about Gardner Minshew because they think he's going to get benched at some point this year, that's not going to happen. He's going to be in there – until he gets hurt or until their season ends and they draft a new guy next season. Agreed. So Matt, uh, you made Ronald Jones your seventh round pick as your running back three after taking Mostert. Jones over David Montgomery. I know that's against what the draft sharks rankings have right now. Yeah, that's just an upside call for me. Both versus uh, David Montgomery and Devin Singletary, who's sl- just sliding and sliding down the board. That, that's it. I mean, I, I think Ronald Jones among those guys has the best chance of at least giving me spike weeks, even if they all end up producing similar numbers. I mean, Devin Singletary, he makes sense as a slider in this format because he's not going to score a lot of touchdowns. The best he's going to do, I think, is be a consistent weekly source of receptions for us and be kind of a floor player that way. I don't think that Devin Singletary has got a big season in him. David Montgomery versus Ronald Jones, you know, I wouldn't arm wrestle somebody to choose Ronald Jones over Montgomery, but you know how I feel about Montgomery, and I certainly think there's way more upside to the Bucks offense than the Bears. And we know how you feel about arm wrestling. So I think that <laughs> well, here's the thing too about Ronald Jones is you know, you guys ever heard of a someone named LeGarrett Blunt or Blount? Like the guy had like 18 touchdowns one year next to Tom Brady. You know, I mean, that's the type of upside that he that he can bring you. Ronald Jones, oh, he can't pass block, he can't catch. Like, I think LeGarrett Blunt that you heard like six catches. So, you know, they're gonna be inside the red zone, they're gonna be inside the five, you know. No one's afraid of Jacques Vaughn. Okay. So and I don't even know Vaughn's first name anymore. It's just going to be Jacques Vaughn for, for forever. I think it's Keyshawn, but yeah. I mean, we don't even have to go back to Blum. We can just go back to Tony Michelle. He's not playing all that well. And yet he's scored quite a few touchdowns so far. That's it. I mean, Rojo's a, Rojo's a great pick. I think I took him last night and then I read something today about how uh, Aaron said he's the, he's, he's the back there. He's the, you know, the, the early down back, which is exactly what you, what you want. You know, I, I thought Jones played, well like just just based on the eye test over the second half of last season I think his numbers were good they weren't great but they were better than you know definitely better than he showed as a rookie better than the first half of last season and then yeah it's been all positivity around Jones this offseason including like you said Adam Bruce Arians coming out today and you know basically saying Jones is the guy in the backfield and all these other guys are just battling for roles behind him you know and people were saying too like oh you know, the puff pieces early about Ronald Jones running all these routes against high school kids. It's a, but there's something to be said about a professional athlete that's going to, you know, go run routes against high school kids. You know, it shows he's trying to get better. It shows that he's put, putting the work in. So, uh, or it I'm, shows uh, that he wanted some good videos for Insta. <laughs> or that. Or that. So, yeah, but I'm, I think Ronald Jones is, is, is fine as the RB25. 
And uh, David Montgomery, speaking of him, he did go right behind Matt's pick of Ronald Jones. So Bob Harris took Montgomery as running back 26. I get it. He's not He's not exciting. You're, you're never pumped up to take David Montgomery. But I, I think he, he's a safe pick at running back 26. Like, I'd be surprised if he doesn't at least return value at that price tag just based on the volume he's going to get on the ground. Yeah, he's definitely a volume play trying to look at the roster construction yeah i mean to me montgomery is someone i would i would take if i was going and this might be the wrong way to do it but if i was going zero rb he might be a guy that i would take because you you know you want if you're going to go six straight non-running backs you want your first running back to have have some volume yeah. that might that to me that might be the wrong way that zero rb approaches it i don't really do zero rb but i think as your third running back you know i don't think he has a ton of upside so, you know, nothing against Montgomery, but he's really just a, like you said, he's just a, a volume play. Yeah, certainly no problem with him at this range, even no, no matter how I feel about him as a player last year or this year. Adam, I'm with you. If you do go zero running back, I think your first, you know, first one or first two running back picks should be more floor guys that you can just count on for, I don't know, you know, 10 to 14 points a week. And then as you get later in the draft, that's when you should be taking the high upside handcuff guys that, you know, could become top 10 running backs if things break right for them. Yeah. Um, so behind Montgomery, Ryan Tannehill goes to Justin Boone. Justin was the last team who had not taken a quarterback. So he gets Tannehill as his quarterback one. Chad Schrader became, um, what is it? The, he was at that point the second team to take his third quarterback. Chad went three straight quarterbacks with Breeze, Aaron Rodgers, and Bridgewater in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round. And we've had three more quarterbacks come off the board since Garoppolo to Dwayne McFarlane at 7 11. That's his second quarterback behind Cam Newton. And then Philip Rivers to Sean Corner at 7 12. And then Dwayne took his third straight quarterback with Drew Locke um, at the 8 02 as the quarterback 25. So Dwayne has Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Drew Locke. Pretty nice trio, I think, after you know waiting until the sixth round to take your first quarterback. Yeah, I think Jimmy Garoppolo gives you floor after Cam Newton's you know, a little bit uncertainty. It certainly looks like New England expects him to be the starter. We'll see. There hasn't been any indication that the, the foot remains a concern. Drew Locke, I mean, I'm not as excited as, as Jared is, but there's really nothing but upside from the QB 25 spot as a third quarterback on your Superflex roster. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to expect from Locke, but listen, they put weapons around him. So, I mean, I've seen all types of stuff. He's He's, he's a gunslinger. You know, he's um he's getting better. I saw some some good breakdown from him. You know, I'm not a quarterback whisperer or anything, so I don't I don't really I trust people much smarter than me. And a lot of people around you lock and the weapons are there. So, you know, yeah, as QB twenty five in a super flex, he's gonna or sorry, in a in a best ball, he's gonna have some some weeks where he, you know, throws a five yard out route to Noah Fant and he takes it to the house. So I think, I think you should start whispering all your QB comments about Josh Allen. That's right. Well, I scream no some listen, don't make me Going on Josh Allen because we could we could do a whole show. All right, we don't uh, need to circle the wagon. <laughs> don't make me jump through this table I'm on right now. All right, <laughs> let me still, let me stick on Drew Locke for a second. Yeah, I mean the, the weapons are nice. Um, I do think he has that you know gunslinger mentality. He's going to be aggressive, and I think that is good for fantasy. It might always not be good for real life, but for fantasy, it's good because the interceptions don't hurt a whole lot. Um, right. The big plays help a lot more than interceptions here. The other thing about Locke is that I think he has sneaky rushing ability. Um, he ran for like 70 something yards in his five starts last year. So he was on pace for, you know, over 200 yards in a full six, 16 game season. He tested as like a 75th percentile athlete at the combine, ran a four, six in the 40. So I, I think he's a guy that could give us, you know, 200 to 300 rushing yards, which is a pretty big deal at quarterback. So he's a poor man's Josh Allen. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's see behind drew lock kirk cousins to mike beer so that's the 26th quarterback off the board and then the 27th quarterback came off the board to justin boone that was Derek carr a guy who i think we were talking about him last night right i'm, I'm kind of like the the pro Derek carr guy which isn't a comfy spot to be in but um again i think at quarterback 27 i think that's a pretty nice value there yeah i mean he's again you know, he's, he's a locked in start while I say that. And I'm yeah. thinking Marcus Mariota might be nipping at his heels, but oh, you know, I've heard that propaganda on this show. <laughs> I've heard it on this, on this show before somewhere. What do you guys think of uh Brown uh, putting on 30 pounds of muscle for, for the Ravens there? I saw some, some photos and some, uh, you know, he's running, he's running yeah. faster, I guess. He needed it. Someone said he was 157 pounds last year. It's amazing. He didn't break. I think in general, if a guy adds 23 pounds and he's a speedster, it's a bad thing. I think in this case, I, I think he atrophied down to one. <laughs> honestly, because of the injuries, I, I think because he couldn't work out, 
leading up to the NFL season. And then, you know, a guy is generally going to lose some weight in his first NFL season because he's just not used to this level of play in that long a season. So I think that he lost it down to that point rather than coming along as a guy who played at 157 in college and now has bulked up to 180. I think I don't know exactly what Marquise Brown weighed in his final year at Oklahoma, but I think he's probably more like what he was then. Yeah, I mean, if he can't be effective in the NFL at 180 pounds, like he, he's just not going to last. You, you can't be 165 pounds and make it. Yeah, I can't. Uh, and I think they hooked some GPS up to him today, and they said he was he was just as fast as he was last year. You know, so it's we'll see. I mean, I can't imagine like if someone hooked a GPS up to me, like how like what that would show. I've had all seasons where I've added 23 pounds for what it's worth. That's right. Yeah. I'm into the putting on the weight part. I just don't want to. So look at Matt here. The, uh, stack master, Matt, the uh, stack master after, after pairing Lockett with Russell Wilson, he gets his Michael Gallup at wide receiver 30 to go with Dak Prescott. I think obviously the stack is good. And I think just, you know, standalone Michael Gallup at wide receiver 30 is a nice value. I thought about him in round seven when I took Ronald Jones and I figured I'd take a shot that he would make it back to me in the next round. I, you know, I figured if I don't end up getting Michael Gallup, it's not the end of the world. Yep. Um, but yeah, I was definitely pleased to see him make it back around. Bob Harris got Devonte Parker at wide receiver 29. That is insane to me. I thought it was insane before today's news where we had, or I guess the past two days news, Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns have opted out of the season and you know, they're not big names. They weren't going to play huge roles, but I was, I was looking at our projections. We had those guys, for about 120 targets combined. I think Parker is is you know gonna see even more volume than I did a week ago. And what does that say for Mike Gasecki? Does that move him up the board too? I mean he's gonna play all over the place now. Should we officially announce our beer bet, Matt? Oh absolutely. Bring oh, it up. Beautiful. First one of the year. It's it's my Mike Gasecki versus Matt's Jay Sternberger uh, PPR points for game. Oh my gosh. Well let yeah. me let me drink a beer to your beer bet. <laughs> give me, give me a, a bet against Mike Gusecki anytime. If I were starting a volleyball team of NFL players, I would absolutely take him. If I were starting a <laughs> basketball team of NFL players, he would be a decent draft pick. But they're playing football, and the guy is not that good. It wasn't that good in college. He's not that good so far in the NFL. Maybe he gets a bunch of targets. I think the, the way that I'm wrong here is if he gets you know 110 targets, then I'll definitely be wrong. I don't think he's a great player. I don't think he's as bad as you as you do, I think. But um, I don't think he's a great oh, tight end. But yeah, volume over everything in fantasy football. And it's just like, where where is that volume going to go in Miami? Somewhere else. Jakeem Grant. Somebody with talent. Oh, gosh. Oof. Oof. Hayden Wings took Sam Darnold as his quarterback, too. Sam, uh, Hayden was the last team to not have two quarterbacks. So everyone has at least two now. Devin Singletary, his free fall finally ends at running back 28 to Greg Cantor. You know, I think I, I don't love Singletary this year, but I think running back 28 makes a lot of sense for him. Jarvis Landry goes to Jason Moore. Kareem Hunt at running back 29. So uh, Mike Peraka in the one hole was able to pair his Nick Chubb, who we took at 212 with Kareem Hunt at the 812 so he cornered the browns backfield there yeah normally i wouldn't dream of doing that but that's because hunt's going in the fourth or fifth round now right. but if you're getting hunt in the eighth round that's that's a beautiful thing you're basically locked into a you got mccaffrey and now with chubb and hunt you're locked into a you know another guaranteed rb1 you know what i mean if between either chubb or if one of them goes down you almost prefer for one of them to go down at that point because then the other one's going to be a, a, a stud so mm -hmm. uh, i think i think that's a great that's a great call and then Mike followed up his cream hunt pick with J.K. Dobbins. Um, so that's Mike's fifth running back. He has Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Cam Akers, Cream Hunt, J.K. Dobbins. That, that could be a killer running back core. Yeah, absolutely. Again, there's a lot of a lot of variables there with uh with with the rookie backs, but uh yep. but yeah, for for sure. Mike Jasucki's still out there on the board, by the way. Let's see if I take him in round 10 and blow <laughs> people's minds. It's interesting. We have had we talked about those, you know, tight ends five through eight coming off the board earlier tonight than the first two drafts we have had no tight ends come off the board in the past we're up to basically three rounds now since the tight end has gone so we're now we're now later like uh, last night we had the tight end nine coming off the board in the eighth round yeah well that's because Hig once higby's gone you might as well just wait like six rounds to get your guy you know what yeah, i mean I, I, don't, yeah, I don't disagree with that uh, the quarterbacks got pushed up a little bit it through the first five rounds it was a very similar pace to the first two nights but then in that round six through I guess eight range, they got pushed up a little bit more, whereas the past couple nights it was more so round nine and even beyond that where some of those uh, later quarterbacks were going. 
Right. I'm just looking. We had quarterback starters still available in the 10th and even 11th round in the first two drafts. And at this point, um, you know, there's maybe one starter still available, locked in starter. So they've definitely gone earlier here. I wanted to point out Hayden Winks' team again, actually. He, after opening with Kamara, has not taken an, another running back. So he, he's kind of gone like the modified zero RB approach. And Mike Beers, who just took Tyler Boyd at wide receiver 35, which is a steal, I think, to get Boyd at wide receiver 35. Yep. But Beers now, through nine rounds, still does not have a running back. I love it. Keep going, Mike. I want to see how we're this gonna, whole thing plays out. We're going to stay on this stream until Mike takes a running back. We're <laughs> <laughs> here all night. Not in for that. Chase Edmonds gets drafted. I, I mean, it's it's helped running back slip in this draft, I think. I took Darius Geis in round nine, which I was considering in round eight, and I think that he's fine in round seven, even super flex. So I was happy to see him make it into the 30s. And we're just talking about running back, you know, 30, 31, 32 in the first half of round nine. So the position's definitely getting pushed down at this stage in the draft. Yeah, and especially, yeah, for sure. And it's just interesting to kind of go back to the round. Like, you know, to me, one of the best picks you can make in best balls is Will Fuller. I got sniped on him yesterday. I got a little bit, uh, I, I waited a little too long for him. But, you know, in a, this year, Will Fuller in a best ball to me is is awesome. And to get him in the ninth round, you know, as your as his, what, fifth receiver for Hayden Winks. Yeah. It's like, that's that's perfect. That's exactly where you want him. Maybe not in the ninth round, but if you can get him as your fourth, uh, I mean, I'd even take him as, as, as my third. I think he's going to be a borderline, you know, high end wide receiver too. When he, when he plays, you're getting 10 games out of him, but, uh, it's going to be 10, 10 good games. Where are you at on Fuller this year, Matt? I think we've talked about him a lot. You know, I, I know you've been lower in past years. I mean, Fuller versus Cooks is just more even for me than I think it is for most people. I've been surprised that both of them are lasting consistently into the thirties. I'm surprised that there aren't more drafters like reaching out in, you know, 20 wide receiver 24. I mean, who at wide receiver 24 has more upside than either of the Houston wideouts? You can, you know, pick either one you want, uh, especially when we're in best ball season. I think they both make lots of sense. The only reason I didn't take either one yet is because <laughs> there are so many other guys that are dropping to this point that I wasn't expecting. Drafters don't like taking quote unquote injury prone players and, you know, Fuller and, and Cooks both have that mm -hmm. label at this point. So I, I think that's the only reason they should be dropping. I mean, Fuller has flashed his upside. Brandon Cooks has been, uh, you know, 1000 yard receiver across multiple teams. He's just coming off. what was, you know, one down here. I think it's going to be more of an aberration than a trend. He's still like, only like 27, 28 years old. So um, yeah, I'm with you. I think Fuller and Cooks both values where they're going. I think it's interesting to note that uh, Crack Rock who took Deshaun Watson way back in round three, elected to go with DeAndre Swift at 903 and let Will Fuller last to the next selection. Then Brandon Cooks went later in that round. So, you know, could have stacked one of those guys there. And I doubt that he expected Will Fuller to make it back in round 10. So it looks like just a decision not to worry about that. Yeah, to, to me, and we were talking about, we've been talking about stacks quite a bit and expenses and stuff like that. But to me, it's hard to pull off a Will Fuller Cook stack because they go so close. And if you don't love one or the other, it's hard to commit to one banking on getting that that stack. But to me, if you can pull off a Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills for free stack, that to me is an awesome stack because you're getting guaranteed wide receiver one production out of one of them every single week. And one of them gets hurt. The other two are going to be great. You know, two of them get, gets, gets hurt. One of them is going to be awesome. So um, I just think that's, that's the type of stack I'm looking to do. Get these mid to late round receivers that, that you can create a wide receiver one week out of. Randall Cobb's basically free too. I mean, I'm, Randall Cobb too. Yep. Not, not a big fan of the player, but I mean, you could see him getting 80, 90 targets this season. And again, he, he goes in like, you know, the wide receiver 60 to wide receiver 70 range. So it's, it's definitely an affordable stack if you want to spend you know, an early ish round pick on Deshaun Watson. Yep. And I'm not even necessarily talking about Deshaun Watson. If you just want the, the receiving core, uh, I think, I think it's good stuff. We got a tight end run going on here. Um, looks like Chad Schrader kind of started it, taking Hunter Henry at the 9.09. Um, then we had Jared Cook come off the board to Sean Corner at the 10.01. Mike Gesicki to Mike Beer. So Mike still is not taking a running back, so we're going to nope. continue this stream. Um, <laughs> behind, behind Gesicki was Noah Fant to Chad Schrader. So Chad took Henry and Fant back-to-back. -back. I like that combo for the price he got him at. TJ Hawkinson right behind Fant. And then after Justin Boone took Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Bob Harris took Rob, Gronk Rob Gronkowski. So that is 
six tight ends off the board in the past 10 picks or so. Yep. That's the, that's the run. There's usually, there's been one, I think in every draft, but this was a lot later. I mean, Hunter Henry in the ninth, I'm not a huge chargers uh, guy this year, but, uh, but you know, in the ninth round tight end premium uh, and Fant, you know, you guys just were putting out some stuff today on, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator there always loves, loves using the tight end. So I think he's, he's going to be a nice pick. And then I had to go tight end with my next pick. Didn't have to, but I don't usually like to follow runs, but I kind of felt like it was time. I didn't think that Blake Jarwin was going to make it back to me and, and it was starting to to dwindle there. I'm annoyed though, because I was all set to click on Tyrod Taylor at that pick. And then I decided to take Jarwin and not expect him to come back. And then the next selection, he goes to Hayden. Yeah. I think Jarwin was, I mean, I like the Jarwin pick better, especially because you have Prescott. Although CD Lamb's going to see all 160 targets there that are vacated, so so we'll see about Jarwin. But and we see Austin Hooper go late again, tight end 16 in this draft. Uh, he he started draft season way about way up at like tight end six, and I think ADP recently had been more like tight end 11, tight end 13, but he just keeps slipping. I, I mean, it's gone from Hooper being an avoid to Hooper being a value. And that's actually the earliest he's gone in any three of these drafts so far. He went tight end 17 in our first draft. He was tight end 18 last night, tight end 16 here. So that it seems to be his, you know, I, I think we can kind of expect his ADP to start trending in that direction. And yeah, I mean, he's still not a guy I'm super excited about, even at that price tag, but he's a guy I'll at least consider, you know, if he's top guy in my, on my board and I, and I need a tight end. Yeah, he's at least a guy that you can't dislike at that price. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that it makes a little bit of sense here in a best ball that he's slipping a little further because I don't think that there is as high a ceiling even week to week on him as some of the other guys in a similar range. But again, if he's consistently going 13th or later, I think that's a fine spot for Austin Hooper. Yeah, another guy really – another pick I really like is for Jason Moore, that Dallas Goddard pick. So he's got Zach Ertz. Mm. So he basically – you know, he stacks and hedges there with Goddard. So, you know, I, I did that in the main event last year, um, and it worked out really well for me. I, I, I know there were a lot of injuries in the receiving core last year, so Goddard got more targets than he would. But, you know, he's, he's, he's going to get work still. And you're also, you know, you if hurt if Ertz gets hurt, Goddard's going to be a top seven eight tight end. So I really I really like that hedging it and stacking it. And uh, so we'll see how he rounds it out for. He's going to need another tight end, obviously, or two because of bye weeks. But uh, I really like that that Goddard stack hedge there. And we're yeah. still going tight end crazy. We had Johnny Smith and Chris Herndon right after that. Yeah, so nine of 12 teams took a tight end in the 10th round. That's definitely a run. And then, yeah, Herndon makes it uh, 10 out of 13 teams. Um, so Mike Preca at the one spot. Did not have a tight end before these last two picks, and he paired Jonu Smith with, with Chris Herndon, two young guys I, I definitely like, Jonu Smith especially. And that makes two straight turns. Is that two straight? Yeah, two straight turns for him where he, he doubled up on the same position. Last time it was running back with Kareem Hunt J.K. Dobbins. This time two tight ends. I – Kareem Hunt was another one that I was looking at back when I, I think I took Michael Gallup in that round yep. uh, and was looking at even at the Ronald Jones pick the round before that. It was a little bit tough to pass up on, and I wonder if maybe I shouldn't have, especially now that the Nick Chubb drafter got him. Yeah, I guess I, I, guess I, I think you've done well. I think Gallup was the pick there, and I, I think Geis, where you got him, I mean – Cream Hunt's exciting, but I mean, Darius Geis is very likely going to enter the season with with a significantly bigger role than Cream Hunt, I think. And I had to, I was taken aback there because Hayden just sniped Tevin Coleman from me. I thought for sure he was going to be at my spot and I would be able to stack him with Raheem Mostert and lock that group up. So that was Hayden Wink's second running back. We talked about him taking Alvin Kamara at the 104 and then sort of pounding a lot of, a lot of wide receivers uh, with his next few picks. And then he gets Tevin Coleman as his uh, running back too there. Yeah, Tevin Coleman. So I'm not I'm not used to this. I'll admit I'm not used to this my fantasy league uh, draft scene. And uh, I actually like Tevin Coleman in, in that range. And I didn't even see him last night. Someone took him. I'm like, oh, crap. I totally would have taken to Tevin Coleman. Yeah, that's one of the challenging things about an unfamiliar draft room is if you draft in one place a lot, you know where to find players. But if you head to a new place, some guy might be much further down the list than yeah. you're expecting. So I, I certainly take time to, to scroll through in between picks and kind of save players as I find them think, Oh, I didn't know that guy was still on the board. Make sure I don't forget about him. So yeah. everybody would still forget about Tevin Coleman. <laughs> and looking, he went, uh, he went in the 11th round is running back 38 in our second draft. And he went in a similar spot. Yeah. He went early 11th round in the first draft. So he's been right in that 11th round range. Matt took Mike Williams as his, uh, 
fourth wide receiver, a guy I've actually been drafting a lot of, and I, I've, I think I've been anti Mike Williams sort of since he came into the league. But I know, I know Adam, you mentioned that you're like not big on the Chargers this year. It seems like no one's big on the Chargers. And I think it's sort of turning Mike Williams and even Keenan Allen in some drafts into values. Yeah, I know I've drafted a ton, uh, you know, FFPC, especially with, with, with Crack Rock. I know he's he's big into the Chargers. He, you know, I see he took uh, Keenan Allen here. I, I see he takes the Chargers quite a bit, but I'm, I'm fading most Chargers passing game. Um, Mike Mike Williams is kind of the exception. He's going at a spot where I'm, you know, wide receiver forty is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tyrod Taylor, so he's more of a either run to me. He's a run or throw deep quarterback. That's what he did here here in, in, in Buffalo. So Mike Williams, is, I think, is their deep threat. So I could see Tyrod Taylor chucking it deep to him. Uh, so I think he's going to kind of be the biggest gain from that passing game. I still don't love him, but uh, you know he's the biggest red zone guy there. I think, and uh, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely fine with taking him there. I'll love him for you, Adam. It's okay. Love, love him up, Matt. I mean, I agree that he's a good combo with Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod Taylor has thrown a lot deep when he was starting in Buffalo. Justin Herbert's also got a big arm too. Yep, that's true. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think Williams will be fine regardless of who's under center there. I mean, the, the guy had a thousand yards last year. Like I, I had forgotten that until I started, you know, d- digging into stuff, doing research for the upcoming season. You know, the guy had a thousand yards, scored just twice, and he was a guy who he scored what I think ten times the previous season was a big touchdown score at Clemson. So. He definitely has positive touchdown regression coming. Yeah, I think he had like 49 catches or something. He had 49 catches for 1,000 yards. I mean, that's so, so bizarre. But yeah, like you said, I think he's going to be uh, score more than more than touchdowns this year for sure. Mike Beer is keeping us on the stream here, taking <laughs> in the 11th round. So that's his third tight end. So Mike now through 11 picks has three quarterbacks, zero running backs, five wide receivers, and three tight ends. Going zero RB with a, as a literal approach. <laughs> he's okay. championing in it you only got to start too so old i i not i'm very curious I, i'm at least as curious to see when he finally takes a running back as i am to see who ends up on my roster yeah i'm curious to see you know which running backs he takes is he you know gonna go for an upside type like a tony pollard alex madison or is he gonna go for you know like a pass catcher i'm trying to think who's even available terry cohen just came off the board so curious to see how he builds out his running back group so last turn, I did think about Jack Doyle uh, when I took Mike Williams, um, the pick after me. And I think that Jack Doyle belongs much higher than tight end 20. But at the same time, we're talking best ball here. There are lots of viable tight ends still left, and everybody's going to have more than two on their roster. So I'm not worried about what Jack Doyle gives me here. If he, if we were setting lineups here, I would have taken Jack Doyle much earlier in this draft. I begrudgingly took Jack Doyle in my draft at tight end 21. He went tight end 19 last night. So he's going in the same area. I, I, um, I paired Doyle with Trey Burton later in the draft. So I, I felt pretty good just, you know, locking up the, the Colts tight ends. I think, um, you know, that, that's an offense that targets the tight ends at a higher rate than average. And the tight end runs continuing by the way, and just took, kept me from taking Jay Sternberger the next time around. I mean, maybe I should have taken him. Like I said, I probably would have gone Jack Doyle, but yeah, if we're looking at upside, I guess Jay Sternberger probably has a higher ceiling. I'm not even sure if I say that about him versus Jack Doyle. I, Jack Doyle is obviously not an exciting player, but I mean, does he really not have a path to 60 catches and six touchdowns this year? I don't know. Rogers, does he hate his tight ends? Like, I feel like he never uses his. Aaron Rodgers hates ends. everybody. No, I know. Aaron Rodgers doesn't like a I single know. human being. <laughs> that is true, too. But, you know. I, I, Besides Alan Lazard, by the way, though, he, he talks about Alan Lazard every chance he gets. That's right. I, I love that. I love that. Um, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't hate Devonta Adams, but but yeah, Sternberger, I think I, I definitely like him. And I, I saw the other day, too, that they're going to be using him a lot. He's a big part of what they're going to do. I think Madith, I think you tweeted that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like I like Sternberger. I could see him. I could see him creeping up, man. I could see him being a top 10 tight end. He's got to get the touchdowns, though, because I don't know if he's going to get the volume for the catches because I think they just want to run the ball all the time there. They want to run the ball, but I mean, Sternberger realistically could finish second on that team in targets. Like, you know, I, I know you love your Alan Lazard, Adam, but I mean, love he, him. you know, he is a former, well, I think, uh, he, did he go undrafted or was he a seventh round pick? You know, he was not a highly touted guy. Um, so I think there's a path for Sternberger to be the second option in that passing game. Yep. Yeah, I think that's the battle is Alan Lazard versus Jay Sternberger for number two in targets on the team. I mean, number two in targets wasn't a great spot. Uh, on last year's Green Bay team, and maybe it's not a great spot this year, but at the at the pl- at the level at which both of those guys are going, it's what makes them both values. That's the beer bet, by the way. 
Sternberger Lazard targets. That's what you got to do. That's, that is boring. Okay. <laughs> boring. Sternberger versus Mike Jasaki. <laughs> All right. Mike Beers has taken his first running back. He takes Marlon Mack. Oh. Uh, is running back 39. I mean, I, I don't love it because I'm a big Jonathan Taylor guy, but there's a chance that Mack maintains a pretty decent sized role there. I, I probably would have, I would have rather taken carry on Johnson who went right behind uh, Marlon Mack. I just think carry on Johnson, at least as good a player as Marlon Mack. And I don't think his competition is as stiff in Deandre Swift. Yeah. I mean, any running back we talk about here is going to have major holes. I Mac, you know, he did fall, although I think he went like the 14th yesterday or something, but uh, or last night. Yeah. I just think that that's Jonathan Taylor's backfield carry on. I think has a little bit more competition. I think he's, you know, I think he's going to be like a Marlon Mack type player where unfortunately he's just going to lose out to, to the better, the better back. I mean, I think the argument for Mack over carry on Johnson would be run heavier offense in Indianapolis behind a much better O-line. So I think when Mack does get the ball, he should, he should, you know, be more efficient. Yeah. Mack had a thousand yards last year. Yeah. He'll be, and, and again, if, if, you know, at this point you're getting handcuffed backs on anyways. So, you know, if Taylor goes down, you know, you're getting a thousand yards out of, out of Mack. It's interesting to note. I think that we're talking about round 12 for Marlon Mack, which is certainly a fine, value but he's also only running back 39 at that point which that's higher than he goes in running back ADP you know points to the running backs being pushed down this board and uh, that's only going to support somebody who's trying to go zero RB RB in a format like this yep uh, Mac meant RB 51 last night I didn't even realize that that's that's that, that's value whether or not you, you know, love Jonathan Taylor and I believe that's closer to his ADP in most best ball drafting. I don't have that in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he's, he's close to, he's in the RB 45 to 50 range. Huh? Yeah. That's interesting. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about Matt's last pick here before we hop off. Uh, Justin Herbert becomes your quarterback three behind Dak Prescott and Russ. I was weighing the running backs here. I thought hard about going running back, but I took Mike Williams with the, the hope of stacking him with a quarterback. Honestly, back when I said uh, Tyrod Taylor got stolen from me, I was envisioning this Tyrod, Mike Williams, Justin Herbert stack and locking those guys up. So once I got Mike Williams, I, I thought hard about a running back at that spot, but there's still a group of similar guys left. And I like the start that I have at running back. And I would have been annoyed if it got back to my next turn and Justin Herbert was gone. Plus the quarterbacks are getting pretty thin on the board. So I knew I was going to take a third at some point. He just won out for me. I don't see anybody still on the board that I'm going to be kicking myself if I miss before my next turn. Yeah, I mean, it lo- I mean, it looks like Nick Foles is kind of the last guy who you kind of you're banking on starting the majority of the season, right? And Tua went for the Dolphins already, so like Ryan Fitzpatrick's on the board, but clearly the league here is not expecting Ryan Fitzpatrick to start most of the year. Right. Yep. All right. I think we're gonna head out now. You wanna you wanna send us off, Matt, before you make your next pick. Yeah, I think that's going to do it so I can actually focus on building out the rest of this team. We're not even quite halfway through the draft yet, but uh, we are done with the stream. We're going to be back tomorrow night. We've got two more drafts in the DS Invitational. We've got $250 league prizes on the line, $2,000 overall prize. So a fun contest. Come on back for the next two drafts and then stick with us throughout the season to see how this thing plays out. Thanks for joining us on night three. 